It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Good morning. We've got a bit of traffic flow here on the stage today. We can do this. Insurance, everything set up. How are we this morning? Bet you're glad you're on this side of the air conditioning uh, right now. Listen, uh, last week, if you weren't here, let me catch you up and echoing, as Louise said, those of you joining us for the first time, great to have you with us as well. Last week, we launched what we're calling a generational opportunity. Sounds a bit hyperbolic, I'm aware of that, but actually... That phrase very much reflects the, the vision and the faith and the, the stretch goal that we really feel God's put in front of us. Now, some of you uh, already have this, but if you haven't, then on the tables spread around and some of the chairs is this brochure. If you're not near one, maybe someone will pass one along to you. And uh, this is headline, it's our time to pioneer. And we've chosen that phrase very deliberately. It's our time to pioneer because our church, which is currently this year turned 74 years old, level 74, we prefer to call it, um, is very much built on pioneers that have gone before us, some of whom we don't actually know some of whom we do actually know and some of whom are actually here today. So this is the brochure. I want you to grab that. I don't want you reading that while I'm preaching. But it's yours to read in your own time and take away and really trusting that God's gonna speak to you through that. Now, this was the birth or the group that birthed what's now Elevate Church. They didn't start as a church. They started as a Sunday school, 1950. Um, and we don't know much about them. The, the only kind of things we know about them, apart from the name and the year, is that it's a group of adults who kind of seemingly said, no building, no budget, no problem. There's some kids that need to learn about Jesus. We've got a Bible. Let's huddle up. And they huddled up under a tree somewhere in Rivervale, even that, we don't know. Um, it could be the tree that's just out there. It could be a tree three blocks away. It kind of doesn't matter. What matters is the, the, the incredible first step that they took. And then this group, four years later, formed a church called Church of Christ Rivervale. And in 1963, whoa, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. In 1963, they built the very first church building. We now call it Hall One. It's like one meaning like that was the first church building. We even have some people here today who got married in that very building some time ago. Um, and, uh, and that was a pioneering step of faith that was built on this first pioneering step of faith. Then in 1976, the church pioneered another building project. We now call that whole two, the next piece of the puzzle and opened that in 1976, and that became the new sort of grown-ups church facility. The kiddos were in this church facility. Uh, there was a, a house right where you all are sitting now, and uh, in old school church world, that was called the manse. That's where the pastor would live with their family typically. So you're kind of sitting on that footprint. Obviously, it doesn't exist anymore. If it was Rome, we'd assume it's buried underneath, but it's not. Um, and uh, then that was demolished. And in the 1980s, under the leadership of a guy named Barry Thiggerson, from 1981 to 1990, some big pioneering moves were made in the context of spaces and places. I'm gonna come to this. The first one was that, that the church at the time bought the house next door, just to your right, my left, 51 Alexander Road, Rivervale. Then sometime later purchased the next property, 49 Alexander Road, Rivervale, and also got busy building this auditorium that is now fantastic and air-conditioned and comfortable. But I can assure you, and we'll talk about that a bit later on, 
this building project was anything but easy and comfortable. And the reason I can assure you of that is because this fine looking gentleman sitting in the front row is Barry Thiggerson. And uh, it was under his leadership uh, here at, at Rivervale Church of Christ at the time that some of these incredible moves took place. And uh, we're going to interview Barry a little bit later on. So very exciting. Stay tuned. Stay awake. Stay here. All right. Good. The thing about these sorts of moves and the thing is that it required a pioneer's mindset. And there's a very different mindset between settlers and pioneers. And there's nothing evil about being settlers. But here's the thing. Settling is easier than pioneering. It's more convenient and comfortable than pioneering. But the problem with settlers is settlers don't take new ground. They simply move into ground that's already been taken and established and, and frontiers that have been forged by pioneers. And we very much believe that God's calling us to pioneer the next phase as a church. Um, and pioneers don't just see what's possible. They also roll up their sleeves and say, count me in. I want to be a part of this. I want to do the heavy lifting. I want to, I'm happy to make the sacrifices. I want to stand on the shoulders of the previous generation and also be someone that the next generation can stand on my shoulders and, and our shoulders. So what does that look like for us? Well, thankfully, the story of spaces and places didn't end here. There was another chapter and actually the current generation kind of set the scene for this next chapter. Now, thanks to Google and their invasive technology, we can see what's going on here. So we're currently sitting here in our auditorium. These were the two houses that we talked about purchased previously. This is hall one, this is hall two. In 2015, we purchased this property, which is out there. Now I told Barry that on a phone conversation late last year and the guy lost his lunch because that in itself was a miracle story. We'll talk about that shortly. We purchased that house and land package for just under a million dollars. Now, I don't know where you're at in your head, whether that sounds like a lot of money or not very much money, but this is one thing I do know. In 20 years' time, that's not going to sound like a lot of money. And the reason I know that is because 51 Alexander Road on a 1,000 square metre block was purchased in the 80s for $56,000. Hello, some of you drive a car worth more than that. And then the next house, 49 Alexander, was purchased on a thousand square metre block in the 80s for $48,000. My Vespa is nearly worth that much. That's not true, it's worth $6,000. But... <laughs> Nevertheless, Every single one of these stages of, of acquiring and establishing and pioneering spaces and places have set things up for the next generation. We currently have a loan, thanks to the ANZ, who are silly enough to play uh, with us. And uh, that current balance is $700,000. And we feel God just calling us to aggressively attack that. Um, and there's some wins associated with aggressively attacking that. Very simply, we just say, well, first of all, ownership. One of the things about ownership is no one can tell you what you can and can't do. It's like, it's, we're gonna do what we're gonna do. And uh, there's just a whole level of, uh, uh, I would say power, I don't mean that in a, a hungry way, but just like you have opportunities that come your way, we can pursue opportunities. And then of course, right now we're servicing that mortgage with some of our first 10% giving, which we want to actually release those resources to invest in ministry and then be tackling that loan also at the same time. Now I get this. Paying a mortgage, some of you have a mortgage, we have a mortgage, it's not glamorous. It's like, do I have to? The thing about this is we don't have to. Like none of us have, I mean, we have to make the payments. The bank is going to ensure that. But pioneering and aggressively attacking this loan, we don't have to. Like we can just 
go into settler mode and make the bare minimum payments and everyone's happy in it. But that's not what we feel God calling us to do. And I'm also aware that sometimes like building a new building, demolishing the manse, kicking Barry into the house next door, Get in there, mate. We know where you live. And then, and then up come, we pour the foundations and then we put the steel frames and we drive past on our days off just to see, woo. Like that's way more glad. Oh, the roof's on now. Fantastic. And I get that. And, I, and I'm not going to give you a spoiler, but uh, I did preface this last week is this auditorium was literally built by the church. I'll leave it at that for now. It's 43 degrees forecast temperature today. God's answered some of your prayers that for us to pioneer the next phase does not require you showing up in your stubbies and your KT26 Dunlop shoes. Come on, Barry, you know what I'm talking about. Don't pretend you don't know. And your scoops shorts. I saw a few photos of some guys with some scoops shorts. Can't unsee them. Brutal. On the end of a wheelbarrow when it's 43 degrees. It's actually not as glamorous as it sounds, building new stuff. It's like, oh my God, thank God someone else did that. But it's the same spirit. It's the same pioneering spirit. It's the same sacrificial spirit. It's the same God. I wanna be on the front edge of taking new ground, count me in. That's what we're talking about. And we've deliberately coupled this launch through February with a series, a three week series called More Than Enough because we don't wanna do this in our own strength. Our own strength is limited. Our own strength is finite. Our resources are limited. Our resources are finite. We serve a God who's not not enough, who's not barely enough, but actually he calls himself El Shaddai. I am the God who is more than enough. And it's not just finances. We're, we're talking specifically about finances, but it's not limited to finances. God is the God of more than enough of whatever it is that you lack. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you, there's a shortfall in what God's calling you to. God, I don't have enough strength. Fantastic. I am the God who is more than enough in the strength department. And the list goes on. And, and one of the biggest shifts that we can make and the thing that we're double clicking on throughout this entire series is a shift from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. And I am telling you, if you go on the journey and make that shift, which might not happen overnight, it took me a couple of decades, sometime a bit slow, it will change everything in your life, everything. Because a scarcity mindset actually points to self-reliance. I'm not enough. I don't have enough. I'll never have enough. I'll never be enough. They'll never. That's right. If you're only relying on yourself, that's a scarcity mindset. And it causes people to live out of fear. It causes people to live limited. It causes people to not take next steps and push the envelope. Whereas an abundance mindset is the one that locks into the God who declares He is more than enough. I'm telling you, I, look, I'm a pragmatic guy. I don't actually understand why someone would choose a scarcity mindset because that's a whole lot of pressure. If you think that you have to provide everything for you and your family and your that's a lot of pressure. God, He's actually saying, He's actually inviting us to move to this place where He's saying, no, I am going to be the one that provides. Man, I'm telling you, who'd wanna sign up for a scarcity mindset when you can actually live with an abundance mindset? Pressure off. Yes, He's gonna call us to bring our best. Yes, He's gonna call us to sacrifice, but God's not calling us to live out His plans and purposes in our own Strength. Phew, what a good God we serve. So for these three weeks, we're doing a really quick flyover of two chapters that Paul, one of the big wigs of the early church, wrote to a church in a place called Corinth in Greece, as we know it. And in these two chapters, he wrote a lot about the topic of generosity. So if you've got your smartphone camera or you've got a paper Bible, it's fine, it's the words that matter. 
You can scan this. It's going to take you to the first of these two chapters. We're looking at chapter 8. We started this last week. And also chapter 9. And the context for this is that when the early church formed, they were all made up of Jewish people. Jesus came to the Jewish part of the world, embedded Himself there. And initially the church was only comprised of Jewish people. And one day they kind of started thinking to themselves, I just wonder if when Jesus said, go into the whole world and make disciples, that He actually meant also non-Jewish people. And they're like, hmm, interesting thought. They huddled up. The big wigs of the early church said, actually, yeah, we, we need to go and take this message of Jesus to the entire world. So they sent people like Paul and people like Titus and so on out. And they said, don't just talk about Jesus. They gave them one additional specific command or or charge or responsibility, make sure you also talk and teach them about generosity. Because God so loved the world that He gave. That's His expression of love at its absolute pinnacle. So last week we opened up this chapter where Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, bragging about the church in Macedonia, just down the road. And he was saying to them, the, the, the Macedonians, get this, they were deeply troubled and yet lived with an abundance of joy. And they were in deep poverty and they overflowed with generosity. These things, deep troubled, abundant joy, deep poverty, overflowing in generosity, should be contradictory, should be mutually exclusive. And they are if you live out of a scarcity mindset, but it was very evident that the Macedonian church was living out of abundance mindset. And Paul's writing to them kind of like, hey, be like the Macedonian church, Corinthians. In fact, he continues this thread, highlighting, and I'm gonna pick this up from this place, that the news had gotten to Paul that the church in Corinth had actually committed themselves to starting to be very generous. They, they, They jumped on the generosity train and they wrote it for a while, and yet for some reason, they actually stopped. Now, I'm gonna say this with intense love. I wonder if you've ever found yourself in that exact place. Great intentions when it comes to giving, maybe even started the journey, and yet for some reason, pulled on the handbrake. Well, that's exactly what had happened here with the church in Corinth. So Paul, he hasn't given up on them. He writes to them, so we've urged Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Now, I've highlighted two things, just very simply. I think the first one's a little bit obvious. God likes it when we finish what we started, when we follow through on what we committed to do. That's a sign of character. That's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of of being steadfast and not only that God's faithful, but that we're faithful. But here's an interesting, something that I find interesting. Paul actually describes giving as a ministry, not an act. He didn't say finish the act of giving. He said finish the ministry of giving. Because I wonder if when we think of ministry, if we kind of lump in some of the usual suspects, Mark, preaching, that's ministry. Serving in Elevate Kids, Elevate Youth, that's ministry. Praying for people, that's ministry. And it is. And yet Paul puts giving in the same group, making the point that giving is incredibly spiritual. It's an incredibly spiritual act. Then, since you... Excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers like Mark Pomery, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. Also, sometimes translations say love for us. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. And again, there's a checklist and it's a great checklist. And I wonder if this checklist that Paul starts with might be things that you might have ticked or, or at least uh, 
set a course to check the box of things you want to grow in. You want to grow in your faith. Has anyone ever thought about that and set themselves, God, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my knowledge of You and Your Word and who You say You are and who You say I am. I want to grow in my enthusiasm. I want to grow in love. I wonder if you have, or if you haven't, and this is breaking news, I wonder if you've ever made the conscious decision that I want to grow in a, in the area of giving. I want to become an excellent giver. I might be terrible now, so I want to become good. <laughs> I want, I'm good now, better than I was, but I want to become excellent. And Paul's got this on, this on this incredible list of things to actually add to things that we want to get great at. Here's the thing, <laughs> almost paradoxical, no one ever gets great at anything without putting it into practice. And you should be grateful for this, that this is the reality. That the next time you go into a restaurant and you go to place your order, that the server doesn't say to you, listen, I just need to let you know before you place your order, the chef called in sick today. So the guy that normally does the dishes, he's preparing the food. Oh, okay. Has he had much experience? No, nope. first time touching a kitchen knife. You're like, uh, uh, Zero star Yelp review, we're out of here. The next time you get on a bus and you think, this kid, that, this person that's driving the bus, he seems particularly young. He seems a little bit too young to be driving the bus. You find out that sitting in the seat behind him is his dad and it's Junior's 15th birthday today. And dad thought, I know the greatest birthday gift that I can give Junior. Even though he doesn't have a driver's license, I'm gonna let Junior drive the bus today. And you're like, I'm gonna get an Uber. Next time you're booked in for surgery. It's the janitor's 10th anniversary working at the hospital. So they've let him put down the mop and pick up the scalpel. What a day to be alive. So getting great at anything, thankfully, requires practice. And the other thing it requires is a plan. One of my life verses, generous people, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, generous people plan to do what's generous. They just fall into it. They don't just stumble over it. They don't just happen upon it. Plan to do what's generous. And then not only a plan, but a commitment to execution. This is where the Corinth church seemingly started well with the first of these two, but actually came up short with the second one. And again, you know this, you've planned parties, you've planned vacations, some of you have been silly enough to plan a house renovation. And you know that, that when you ended up having a great party, a great vacation, moving into a great renovation, it's because you took the time to plan. And then you executed on that plan. Have you ever sat down and crafted a generosity plan? Like literally, like this is the steps that I'm going to take, written it down, and then got about doing it. For the sake of time, I'll go right past this one. Here's a couple of qualities of generous people. The first one, generous people give willingly. This is Paul. He keeps writing. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you to also excel in this generous grace of giving. I realise that that's actually not the scripture that I was going to be reading. I will have a coaching conversation with the person that designed this slide and uh, they'll be hearing from me shortly. Verses 10 to 12. See if you can listen without even having it on the screens. It feels like the 70s all over again. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it, now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Now, anyone parents here? Anyone been parents? Anyone current parents? Particularly of parents in like, maybe like primary age? If so, have your kids ever said these words to you and you didn't teach them this? 
when you've encouraged them to share, share with you, share with their siblings, share with a friend, share with grandpa, whatever it is, has, have, has Junior ever uttered these words? Uh, do I have to? This is not your proudest parental moment. You start thinking, where have I gone wrong? Actually, you don't. You just say, Junior, you're an idiot. But, but you actually know that the gold standard is for Junior to grow up from, oh, do I have to, to actually willingly and eagerly wanting to share what they have. It's a sign, giving willingly is a sign that we're maturing. Here's another one. And actually, you know, I love this one about God. It's like, if you ever thought, is God just? This is actually an example of God's justice in play. Generous people give proportionately, give in proportion what you have, give according to what you have, not what you don't have. In other words, you don't have to compare what you're, the amount that you're giving with someone else. That there should be some equality. If you give proportionally, equal sacrifice, not equal giving. And I'll, and I'll just play it out with a very simple like mind exercise for us. Let's say, however it comes out in the wash, that you learn that two people gave $1,000. Both happened to give $1,000. Here's the question. Person A earns $600,000 a year. Person B earns the average median Australian wage, which is currently $70,000 a year. So 600,000, 70,000, both gave 1,000. Which of them, you don't know who they are, these are fictitious characters, so feel free to judge. Which of those two gave more? The answer is person B. It's simple math, people. It's not girl math, it's actual math. Because as a percentage, this person gave more. And I love that about God, that as we commit to growing and getting better at giving, we might be inspired by people that give more than us, amounts-wise, set some faith goals there, but actually God's talking about equal sacrifice, not equal giving. And then there's this one here. Generous people give sacrificially. This is one I, I want to move into right now. This is the level of giving. This is like, this is like, not only, this is a sort of level of giving, not only that you've taken the trainer wheels off, um, <laughs> that you've taken the seatbelt off, that you're actually probably even sitting outside the vehicle. Hey, this metaphor is not working at all. I'm going to finish. But this is the sort of level of giving where you start to feel it that it starts to pinch a little, that it's like moving out of your comfort zone. And no one probably would or should even get to this place without, and I probably don't even recognize, get, recommend getting to this place without first having a very clear revelation that God is the one who supplies, that God is a God who's more than enough. Because if you start giving sacrificially, but you think it's you and what you have and what you don't have and what you, uh, probably you're just gonna end up in a very, 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 very bad place. Um, this 80s, I might even go so far to call them the 80s group, but I'm not talking about Banana Rama, Barry, the 80s group. The 80s pioneers really exemplified sacrificial giving. Now, before I invite Barry up, I just want to recognise uh, Neil and Vicky Gibb were a part of the church in the 80s. So any of the stories that, that, that we're about to unpack, they lived them. They, by the way, they're also the people that got married in all one some time ago. Uh, Tim and Margaret Fluers over here, part of the church in that 80s as well. So more pioneers in that generation. And Jenny, I just I was going to point to you, but there ain't, ain't no way Jenny's coming up on stage. We've had that conversation. Jenny Green, also part of the 80s uh, pioneers. So like, can we just honour them before uh, we get Barry up here as well? And next week, 
we're going to in- interview some of them um, and just share some of their experience. But today I'm inviting Barry Thigerson up. So Barry, how about you come on? How about we give Barry an incredible Elevate welcome this morning. And uh, so Barry led for 10 years here at what was Rivervale Church of Christ, starting in 1981 and concluding in 1990. Uh, Just uh, let me fast forward. We've done a bit of a a flyover. When you started leading the church here, the facilities were what we now call Hall 1. Hall 2 was was up and running and that became the main church meeting space with terrific acoustics, you told me. Mm Uh, <laughs> Telling me he's dreaming. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, then, and then you came along. Uh, the church didn't own those two properties next door at the time. So just give us a little bit of a, like what was the landscape for you coming in and, and, and what were your sort of initial thoughts, initial impressions? Let's go back to Queensland. Oh. Uh, <laughs> when we came here, they had purchased the house next door mm-hmm. and Wayne Beard supervised adding... A lounge room uh, that became a meeting room, uh-huh. <laughs> our bedroom, ensuite, and an office. Okay. When we got here, our furniture was still in Sydney, uh-huh. and I left, had it leave four weeks before we did. Mm. So we had holidays with the wife's family. Okay. When we came, this auditorium or the chapel sure. over there, mm. uh, we had 70 people max that mm-hmm. you could get in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what it was when I got here. Yeah, okay. You know, yep. So it, we had to do something. Yeah. Uh, it took a little while to get there. Okay. Then we, uh, that we after we found we couldn't stay there mm. because I worked on the principle of when a building is 80% full, yep. it's full. Yep. And so you need to move and get – otherwise, it was like a bit of a revolving door. Sure. People would come and go, come and go. Yeah, assume they, we, that there's no room. That's right. Mm. And people don't like sitting so close together. <laughs> no, Especially don't. guys. I'm, we have a compulsory yeah. one-seat man gap rule here at yeah. Elevate. So, yeah, right, we understand. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we moved over there because it just had more space. Yeah. Man. But that's about all it had. Yeah. Uh, it had no atmosphere. Yeah. Um, it echoed like you were in a so cave. So about moving the, the main sort of meeting, church meeting Sundays, into what we now call Hall 2, which is, uh, we, it's an echo chamber. It is. Yeah. And then this... And was there air conditioning? No. <laughs> no, no air conditioning. I don't think we even had fans or yeah, okay. anything. Yeah. We're sitting in the lounge of the old man's. The man's, yeah. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. welcome, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's basically what. That's what you entered into. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Now, um, the church had already purchased and started developing fifty-one. Then purchased forty-nine. What was the thinking behind purchasing forty-nine? Because you were already leading for a little while before that uh, decision was made. Um, It was basically if someone else buys it, Mm. we are hemmed in. Yep. Because we'd already been told. By the people who owned the other house okay. over my dead body. Yeah. Well, don't give all the stories it? away too soon. Uh, we'll come to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> we would be locked in. Yeah. We couldn't do anything in the way of growth. Yep. And that was the motivation yep. to, to buy that. Yep. With the idea that maybe you change the man's further and yeah. build whatever. It, it, and that, it, that was ex- sorry. Yeah, we just didn't want to be locked up. Great. And that's exactly the, the thinking and the motivation for when we purchased what's the house on this side, 188 Kuyong Road. Um, God's not building more dirt. And uh, now, by the way, because this was in the 80s that these properties were, were you know, come up for sale. Uh, now, if you've driven around Rivervale or if you live in Rivervale, you'll notice that any time one of these 1,000 square metre uh, properties comes on the market, it doesn't stay as a 1,000 square metre property with a single house. It gets bulldozed and uh, it gets developed. Mm. Now, if you're wondering, just to fill in the gap there, if you're wondering whether seven, a $700,000 mortgage is a lot of money, um, the church purchased the first house here for $56,000. 
1,000 square metres, $56,000 I mentioned, and then $48,000. So over time, <laughs> it's a good investment. But the, the, the answer was, yeah, we didn't want five new townhouses as neighbours yeah. to complain about the noise and the parking yeah. and the so on and so forth. I shared that with you, that we'd purchased that house in 2015 yeah. when we spoke late last year. Yeah. And, and you were pretty surprised. Very. Okay, <laughs> you were very surprised. Tell us why you were very surprised. The owners of the house um, <laughs> had a personal ongoing relationship with the council, mm. letting them know what we were doing. And we actually had letters come to us. We had council workers at night outside with uh, decibel meters because our young fellows who were full of testosterone and enjoyment were b bouncing a ball, basketball, and if it hit the backboard, it just vibrated everywhere. But as you're running along, there used to be a trampoline there with loose boards, <laughs> and they would had to go down that side. Of course, yeah. But the trouble is the noise went down the pit and came up in the middle of Zaluko's house. Okay. I thought they were exaggerating. Mm -hmm. And I went to Mrs Zaluko and I said, can I hear it for myself? And it was right. Yeah. It was a nightmare for them. And I said to her, we, we could buy it and give you enough to be able to go somewhere else where you'd be happy, you wouldn't have us annoying you. And she said, over my dead body. Okay. And the work started. Mm. You know, one of the things that we did, we had share and care in there. Yep. And uh, I remember very early in the piece, we had the little committee who ran it. And I was sitting on the platform in there and I said, we've got an enemy next door. How do you get rid of an enemy? You make her a friend. Mm. You, you don't irritate them. Yeah. You make them a friend. Yeah. And, you know, she very soon after, through some of our ladies really reaching out, mm. started coming to Sharon Care. Yeah. And then ultimately came in here. Yeah. That to me is a miracle. So, so uh, now I, I, I'm going to add a bit to that story. Uh, before I do, um, there's, there's an urban tale of an axe in some kind of part of this timeline? Yeah, we didn't take it to her, Mrs. Zaluko. No. <laughs> no. When we started the building. Yes. A lot, as you've already indicated, a lot of it was done by manual labour under Wayne Beard's registration as a builder. Mm -hmm. A few things were done technically by professionals. Right. All the framework, the brick laying. Yep. But we had to demolish old toilets that mm. were should never have been there anyway. Yep. yep. Um, but all the bricks that we demolished were put in a stack mm. in that car park over there. Mm. And Mrs. White, Joan White, she was in her eighties. And one day I heard this little Volkswagen Beetle pull up. She came in and said, I've come to help. And I said, well, yeah, well, spoke about morning, afternoon teas and stuff. No, I, I want to do something for the building. And we ended up put a tomahawk in her hand, a blunt one, and she would sit over there on a chair with these bricks, chipping the concrete off them. That is no easy job. And she'd work for half an hour, come in and make a, a drink and go back for another half an hour and she'd come back next week. And she did this for several weeks and she chipped more bricks than everybody else put together. Lovely for someone over 80. Amazing. That to me is buy-in. And, 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 and that's the spirit that we want to look back and celebrate and, and, and also catch a greater dose of that. Just before you kind of get too uh, depressed and sad, with this house over here that uh, the previous owner 
emphatically told Barry that the church will never be able to buy that over her dead body. She was still alive when we purchased it. And in fact, things had come along so far that, that there was two other bidders on the house when, when uh, the offers were being put in. We were one of three. The other two were developers. Um, and so the owner, Mrs. Luca, said, no, I want the church to have it. And she actually accepted our offer and, and rejected the two yeah. developers' offers as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So it literally is a miracle. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Now, Barry, here we are in 2024. Uh, you, you came in early and you did a little wander around to see what's changed. A couple of things have changed. Couple. couple yep. Yeah. Um, looking back now through this pioneering generation in the 80s, what's, what do you think is like the, the number one thing you're the most grateful for? I think it was the leadership of the church because I inherited praying elders. Mm. And that's where vision mm. started. Yeah. And then it was sold to the deacons and then to the church. If they hadn't have been praying people, we mm. would never have got where we did. Wow. That's, so there's a saying I was given when I moved from Queensland to here. Mm -hmm. uh, they were all wanting to give me advice how to be a minister again. And they said, as go the leaders, yes. so goes the church. Yep. I wish our politicians knew that. <laughs> but, um, sorry, I didn't say that. But, but I, I think it's one of the keys. Yeah. If the, the leaders don't have buy-in personally, mm -hmm. it will not happen. Yeah, great. And, and Barry, I can encourage you by uh, letting you know that we actually gathered our leaders and our team members two weeks ago prior to uh, announcing this last Sunday, and the buy-in there was incredibly yeah. inspiring already. Yeah. So fantastic. I, I, we're already standing on, yeah. on your shoulders from that perspective. Um, looking back then, what, what was the greatest challenge through this whole kind of extended season? Meeting the finances, of course. Yeah? Um, uh-huh. Building this was about, I think, just over 200,000 nearly, mm -hmm. heading towards 300. Yep. But when you're paying that off for 25 to 30 years mm. at 19% interest, <laughs> look, people are complaining about oh, their interest yeah, rate now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, oh, well, yeah. Kids today. Let's me rub it. Oh, let's me, <laughs> I just wanted to rub it in a bit. <laughs> but that, that was. A huge challenge. Sure. When Roberta and I were ministering in Queensland, I was a student in a church called Annerley. Mm. They owed $20,000 <laughs> and the bank was going to foreclose on them. Wow. And I can still remember as a student sitting in the front row like you're supposed to and the minister, Colin, stood up and he preached and he slated everyone. I mean, he wasn't gracious. And when we got to the door, because as a student I had to be alongside of him, and this butcher from another church came and he stood there and he said, don't you ever talk to me like that again. And Colin said, well, you come up with something better. Three days later, um, he came back with a roll of butcher's paper with a plan where churches would get together okay. and they would put in interest-free loans for... Uh, over six years, mm. but every two years it recycled. Yep. So we started a program called I ICA, mm -hmm. Ipswich, Camp Hill, Anley. Mm. And Anley was going to be closed by the bank. Yeah. It's a scary thought. Sure. And uh, when we started this, Colin proudly walked in with a cheque for 20000 and said, there. And we're taking our account too. Mm. <laughs> so we brought that over here. Yep. Well, I'd already done it in Dolby, so I proved that it worked. Mm -hmm. Brought it here, and with that 200 and oh, probably could even be 60,000, something like that, we saved $1.2 million because people put in uh, interest free loans and then kept paying it off until it was done. And then I think the part that grabbed my heart was every Wednesday when we had a share and care, two old people, elderly people, uh, and they were well in their 80s, right. 
Mr. and Mrs. Dan. Mm -hmm. They actually came from our Vic Park Church. Okay. He had a little veggie stall there out of his own garden every week. And people would come in and they'd buy that first because it wouldn't be left when they came out. All that money he gave to the church. Mm. Even a project I had, twice a year I would buy a hundred day-old chickens and everything we got from it mm -hmm. came into that. Yeah. Um, I even ran a, uh, a program I was invited to from the Ministry of Justice to be a supervisor of unvolunteered people. Um, they were the naughty boys and girls who couldn't, weren't bad enough to go to jail but couldn't afford to pay a fine. Mm. So they work their time off commute. And the building of this, yeah. a lot of the hard yakka yeah. was done by them. Amazing. We're sitting on some of their work because there are tons of sand. Incredible. They wheelbarrowed it in. Yeah. The office in the corner, the reception, mm -hmm. the sand there was just under a metre deep right. that they had to wheel in. Yeah. At one stage, I had seven of these guys working there and they would push these jolly barrows. I'm glad it didn't have to be done on Saturday. Sure. So just coming back, to just uh, I went way over time last week and I got some very, very, very nasty emails from people. That's not true. No, it's not true. No, the going over time bit's true. The, you're very gracious. Um, I could keep going with talking about this for a long time, but uh, I promised last week I wouldn't make a habit of it. Um, <laughs> you have shared with me, talking about the, the finances and the repayment, saving $1.2 million, hello, uh, which is money that was therefore available for the kingdom, not yeah. to, to uh, bank shareholders. Um, you did tell me the timeline and the demographic of the church that paid that loan off. Yeah. Hit, hit us with those statistics. People who were employed mm -hmm. in our church, yes. there was 13. Yeah. The rest were pensioners. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal when yeah, they say 19%. It's bonkers. <laughs> and that's why a lot of the voluntary work was done. Yeah, we would come here every single Saturday morning mm. and sometimes run into the afternoon, mm. every week apart from Easter and Christmas for over 12 months. Right. And, look, the, the ladies were amazing. The, the morning tea was like a lunch and the lunch was like a banquet. Right. Um, but it created relationship sure. and uh, they were there with real buy-in yeah. at every level yeah. from practice to giving Great. everything. Great. And I think there was an intimacy developed with everyone mm. that was more precious. Yeah. And one of the things that we were able to um, do was get the people to see that it's not building this as the target. This is a facility to expand the ministry of the kingdom of God. Right. And if you lose that, yeah. you become a settler. Yeah. And, and we wanted, we always had in, in mind, and it certainly was in my heart all the time, God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And... Love your neighbour as yourself. That sounds, sums the whole deal up. Sounds like pretty good advice to me. Yeah, and it works. Yeah, someone should have written that down. <laughs> Barry, just to land this, I ask you if you would be willing to pray for us as we I'd love to. look together, to come together, to pioneer again and pioneer the next chapter. Yeah. So please. Yeah, I think we'll stand. Eh? Let's stand, you bet. Yeah. Thank you that we can call you Father. You know us and you know who we are, you know what we want and you know our hearts, the innermost secrets and maybe churning through some of us will be fear 
uncertainty, but you will bring to us a confidence, a new confidence, to see that we are spearheading the outreach of this whole area of Rivervale, mm. where people will be invited to come into the kingdom of God. Mm. Father, I pray that there will be clear vision in the leaders and through the leaders to see all the possibilities, the potential that is in this place. I don't know the demographic, how many people work, but I know that we can all have a heart for you. And if we have a passionate heart for you, we will have a passionate heart for what you have. Yeah. That you want us not to get you on our mission, but us to get on your mission. And that's that you're not willing that any should be lost. Yeah. That all should come into the kingdom of God. Mm. I pray that we'll catch that vision, that we see all of these things we're establishing are to see your kingdom grow and Satan can't even work against it yeah. because you are our God. Yeah. So I pray for the leaders, I pray for every person in the congregation mm. and those who are going to be in the congregation. Pray, Father, that we'll be able to expand here regularly. Mm. But the, the Spirit of God will be upon the place. And just as the people building the temple with Solomon brought everything they had, both their skills and possessions, uh, and just got involved. Yeah. For the love of God. Mm. And I pray, Father, that if anything out of all this, this congregation will draw closer to God yeah. than ever before. Yeah. Thank you that some of us had the privilege of being there years ago, even before I came here. Bryce Wells, with a lot of the things he was able to do. And, and Lord, I just pray that we will generation by generation be faithful mm. uh, you you say in the old testament over and over again uh, to our children and our children's children may that same thing be a spirit here that we will have a confidence that whatever generation we are you will go with us absolutely that we will draw on the whole idea that you said you will never leave us yeah. or forsake us yeah whether if we're having a hard time, you are there. Yeah. If we're evangelising, you are there. If we're discipling, you are there. That we are not in this alone. Yeah. But we are your children, mm. and you are our God. Yeah. But more than our God, you're our Father. Yeah. And a Father has a passionate heart for us. Yeah. And I pray that we'll catch that. Yeah. So Father, may your Spirit be upon this place and every person in it, and all glory to you. Yeah. In Jesus' precious name. Yeah, amen. Amen. Sometimes people look at, 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 at pioneers like weirdos. Like, why would you want to do that? Sounds like hard work. Uh, but thank you, Barry, and appreciate you being with us this morning as well. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.